Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, definitions are always crucial. Um, you want to make sure that whenever you're talking to someone, whenever you have a message to give, that you are using the same vocabulary, that you, you have, have the same understanding of the meaning of the words that we're using. You know, I, I often will tell my kids, go clean your room. But we all, often don't have the same definition of what clean is. Right? You who've had children before, you've told your kids, go clean your room. And whenever you, they come and tell you, my room's clean. You go and look at it, and it's not clean. So definitions are crucial. The gospel is something that we must define. Um, you know, we started our first several weeks. We were during the Advent time, so I was preaching messages about the Old Testament expectation of Christ's coming. Um, and then on Christmas, we, we, uh, we looked at the birth of Christ. Um, and then since then, uh, we've been looking at some of the core convictions uh, that I have as a, as a pastor, church planter. Um, I, I, I'm convicted that uh, I, I ought to be preaching through biblical books of the Bible to, so that we're not following an agenda that is, that is mine, but um, that that we're following God's agenda as it is, it is as He delivered it in Scripture. So uh, eventually, we're going to settle down in a biblical book, and uh, we will go through from beginning to end. But before that, uh, just like I've done the last two weeks, I'm kind of going over some of the groundwork of, of some of the core convictions that I have. Uh, we looked uh, on the 1st of January at um, uh, how Jesus will build His church. Uh, that he is the cornerstone. That he is the one who builds his church. It's not about us and our work, but he is calling people to himself. And then last time we met, not last week, but last time we met, we, uh, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 4, where it talks about preach the word. Uh, that is what... The worship time of the church should be centered around. It's about uh, the proclamation of the Word of God. Not about man's thoughts, uh, about psychology, about how to have a happier, more self-fulfilled life, but it is about preaching God's Word. And that is our, what our time of worship should be about. Uh, tonight, we're going to look at what is the definition of the Gospel. What is the definition of the Gospel? I was a youth pastor a few years back ago, and uh, I asked my students one night, what is the gospel? I got various answers. Uh, some are right, and some are, uh, they have different, they had different uh, thoughts. Um, let, me, let me explain what I mean. Some of them, uh, they brought up gospel music as a musical genre. Well, you know, yes, uh, gospel, we use that word in that way. 
But that's not what I'm asking whenever I ask, what is the gospel? And then others, you know, they, they, they pointed out uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are gospels. That, that is the, the genre of the literature that they are. We, we call them gospels um, because these are the, the, the books that tell us about the life of Christ from His birth up to His death and resurrection and even ascension. But that is not the question that I'm asking. What is the gospel? Paul here in 1 Corinthians 15 gives about as clear a definition of anywhere of what the gospel is. And so let's read what Paul says to the Corinthian church, starting in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, and then the twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel that we're thinking about now. Father, we pray that your word would be united with your spirit among us. Lord, that our hearts would be warmed by the gospel. Lord, that, uh, Lord, that we would have an urgency to get this gospel message out. Father, we pray... Lord, that uh, you would make us bold proclaimers of this gospel and faithful. Father, be with me. A weak and sinful man in need of your grace. I need your strength to preach your word now. Give me grace in Jesus' name. We'll go through this line by line. He wants to remind the Corinthian church. Paul is saying, I want to remind you of this. What is he reminding? I'm reminding you of the gospel which I preached. 
So Paul is here telling the Corinthian church, I'm, I'm going to remind you, we need to be reminded sometimes. We need to be reminded, not just sometimes, we need to be reminded every single week of what the gospel is. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, believers, we still struggle with all kinds of things. When we trust Christ, our life doesn't immediately turn out roses. But we still struggle with all kinds of, of, uh, of things. We struggle with sin. We struggle with disappointment. We struggle with all kinds of things. And we need the gospel to be able to face those things. So Paul was reminding the Corinthian church of what the gospel is. As we, as we uh, form this new church, we need to be centered around the gospel. Everything that we do needs to point back to the gospel. A lot of sermons that I've heard have, have often been uh, some points about from the text about how you know you can have a happier life, um, follow these steps to have raise better children, more well-behaved children, or have a happier marriage. But we forget to tie that back into the gospel sometimes. I believe that all of Scripture can be tied back into the gospel. You know, when we talk about marriage, for instance, we can go to a passage like Ephesians 5 where Paul talks about marriage, about how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. That's the Gospel. So the mar- mar- marriage is touched by the Gospel. Everything in our lives are touched by the Gospel. And as believers, we need the Gospel every day to just make it through. Paul reminds the Corinthian church of the Gospel. He tells them it is what what they received. It is what you received, what you stand in, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There's a lot of receiving and preaching going on in this verse. It's let me, let me point out these words again. The gospel I preached to you is delivering a message which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you. There's receiving and a giving. The gospel is a message. The the word gospel, of course, means good news. Um, And and, and it is that gospel that we we pass down from one person to another person. When we hear the gospel, we believe it. God gives us life. We, we begin to have, breathe with our spiritual lungs and we follow Jesus in a life of repentance and trust in Him. And we also then pass that message on to others, to our children, to those who we see in the marketplace. 
The gospel is a message that's passed from one person to another. It's not something that we should tinker with, but it's something that we receive and something we pass on and we we need to be careful to pass it on just as we received it. Verse 2, he says, And by which you are being saved. The gospel is what saves us. The gospel is what saves us. It's, It's believing this message that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And He rose again. That's powerful. That the gospel, believing, hearing and believing this message is how we are saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. There is a possibility of believing in vain here, Paul says. There are many who have maybe walked an aisle in a church, who have... have uh, bowed down and and said some words repeating after a preacher but they weren't changed it's it's like the the parable of the sower the the parable uh, in the parable the, the sower goes out and he sows the word and some of it falls on good soil and some of it falls on rocky soil and some of it falls on thorny soil and some of it falls on the path And the ones that fall on the path, the birds come and they pick it and they take it away. And the ones that fall among the the thorns, it grows up for a little while, but it gets choked out by all of the things in life, like the persecution and the the things like that. And the, 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 um, the seed that falls on the rocky soil, it grows up as well, but the sun scorches it and it and it burns. And it doesn't live. And it doesn't mean that those people have been saved and then lost their salvation. But it means that that, that their, their faith was never, was never really genuine in the first place. That they were never really saved in the first place. There are many who will make a profession, who, who will get fire insurance will walk down an aisle and, and show some excitement in the beginning. The gospel, when it changes a person, endures. It doesn't, uh, it, it's, it's not going to be like that, that that falls away after a little time. But it will endure and it will bear much fruit. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance. Here's another delivered word. It's, it's passing this message on from one to another. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received from Christ. So he had preached it to the Corinthians. They had received it. Paul here now says, I delivered it to you what I had also received from Christ. It's passing down in a line from one generation of believer to the next generation to the next. We pass that down, what we have received from Christ. And then, this is what his definition is. This is what Paul says, I have received. 
Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. And then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what he seems to boil it down to here. But there seems to be more. Christ died for our sins. He didn't just die, but His death had a meaning. His death was for our sins. In what sense was Jesus' death for our sins? It was a substitutionary sacrifice. He was our substitute. He took our punishment for us. We have all sinned. We deserve death and hell because of our sin. And Jesus took that punishment for us. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. It was sacrificial. In the Old Testament, you, 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 the, the priest would sacrifice a lamb or a bull or some kind of animal as a, as a sacrifice. And Jesus, in the way that He died for our sins, is He was that sacrificial lamb. He died as a sacrifice and as a substitute for us. This is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. And then let's not throw away the next words. In accordance with the scriptures. And he repeats that later. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Yeah, in accordance with the scriptures. One of the important things that we have to remember about the gospel is that it is in continuity with the Old Testament. There was a story that began with Adam and Eve in the garden. We've looked at it at Christmas time. We were created in paradise. We were created to, ha- to live with God forever in paradise. And God gave Adam and Eve one command. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve both disobeyed that command. They brought death to the human race. And in Genesis chapter 3, God comes to Adam and Eve and He pronounces a curse on the serpent. And in that curse, we looked at it our very first week as we met. He said, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He will crush. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on, on exactly the wording, but basically that Jesus, who, when, who he would one day come, he would be a descendant of the woman of Eve. He would crush the serpent's head, yet he would have his heel bruised. From Genesis. That's pointing forward to Christ. 
And then Abraham, he, he uh, was promised that he would have a descendant who would one day bless all nations. It's all pointing forward to Christ. You look at the Old Testament and the sacrificial system that you see. How, how is it that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was all in accordance with the Scripture? Well, look at, look at Leviticus and all of his sacrifices over and over again. And David tells us, and then we see other places in Scripture, the blood of bulls and goats could never atone for sin. So those sacrifices that we see in Leviticus... They're all pointing forward to Christ. It is in accordance with the Scriptures. And then we see David. We see David at the time of 2 Samuel chapter 7. And God promises him a son that will sit on his throne forever. It's in accordance with the Scriptures. And you look at the prophets and all those things that point out that There is someone coming, this Messiah, who is going to come, who is going to crush the serpent's head, who is going to save his people. It's part of the gospel, as Paul gives it right here, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. Now, we are New Testament believers, but we do not throw away the Old Testament. There was an ancient heresy called Marcionism. And Marcion, he, he basically took as his scripture just part of the New Testament. Throughout the whole Old Testament, because it was too Jewish. As far as the Gospels, he only held on to Luke. And he even edited it to, make, to try to get it less Jewish. And he had some of Paul's letters, but he kind of threw out all the rest. One of the very first heresies of the church. And was all trying to dispense with the Old Testament. But Paul here tells us the gospel is about the fulfillment of the promises that God was making all the way through the Old Testament. So, that's part of our definition of the gospel. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried. He was really, really dead. You don't bury somebody who's alive, unless you're wanting to torture them. they, They stuck a sword through His side, and blood and water flowed. They, He was dead. As dead as can be. He was buried... And he was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is a big deal. He is alive. He is alive. We um, you often see in popular culture someone will talk about Jesus and, and talk about how, how Jesus died, and, uh, and somehow leave out the fact, oh, but Christians believe that He is alive today, that He rose again. He didn't die again, He, he ascended into heaven bodily. 
He rose again. Paul thinks this is so important. The fact that he rose again is so important. He goes on to list all the people who saw him alive. Cephas, otherwise known as Peter. The first apostle Paul lists here that saw Jesus' resurrected body. And then to the twelve. All the the twelve disciples. Of course, Judas... Paul here is not being, he's, he's, uh, he's not kind of focusing on the details. We, we, we hear that 12, but you know, Judas was already, already dead or because he went and hung himself. Um, so let's not get hung up on that. Paul was not pointing out, was not trying to get hung up on the details like we do. Whenever he was saying he appeared to the twelve, he was just saying he appeared to all of the, the, the apostles that we would think of. You know, sometimes uh, I think a, a, a skeptic might point to that and say, hey, hey see, see, you've got, you've got an error in the Bible, but I don't think that's at all what's going on. He appeared to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And, and Paul here, he, of course, let's let's uh, let's back up a, get, a little bit. You know, when when we read these words, we can't we can't we got to remember that there was an original setting that these words were were given to. Paul is here telling the Corinthians, if you don't believe me, if it's not enough for me to tell you that Peter saw Jesus resurrected, that that all of the, all of the twelve apostles saw Jesus resurrected then you can go to Jerusalem now and you can find some people still living at the time that Paul wrote this who saw Jesus in His resurrected body. Then He appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all to me, last of all as to one untimely born, He also appeared to me. That's the gospel. Paul then begins to talk about his experience of the gospel. For I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. It was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Here we see that the gospel, the gospel that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, that He was raised from the dead, is a gospel of grace. Paul here tells us he was not saved because he was good. He was not saved because he was moral. He was the worst. He was the worst of the worst. He was someone who persecuted the church of God. He was someone who God chose to show His grace and His love to. It wasn't about Paul. But it was about God's grace. And that's the same today for us. If if you're a believer today, 
It's not because you're so good. It's not because you were born in just the right family. It's not because you, you have any kind of social status. If you're a believer today, it's because God stepped down and revealed Himself to you. Your eyes were opened by God Himself. It's all grace. We could never do anything to earn it. We could never be so good that we could earn salvation. But it's only the free gift. We just hear that message of Christ who was promised in the Old Testament, who died for our sins, who was buried and then raised again. We place our faith in Him. There's so much more that could be said. I, uh, I've been intentional to try to keep things under 30 minutes, and I'm about I'm pushing it. I'm going to come to a close. There's so much more that could be said about the gospel. I'm just going to bring it down to a summary again. The gospel is the saving and keeping message. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was raised again. And we believe in that message. We trust that He did that for us. And He changes everything. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.